My name is Jeremy Hetzel. I'm the Director of Student Ministries here at Family of Christ, and we are going through our Lenten series, Forgiving Challenge. And as we work through this Lenten series, we have a 40-day devotional book that we're going through that goes along with it. We're working through this acronym, SCARS, and so this week we are talking about confession. Um, and one of the things that as I was processing um, the message for today, I really wanted to think through the blessings of confession. And so I want to do a call and response at some different points throughout today. So when I say confession, I want you to say it brings healing in life. So let's practice confession. Confession. Okay, now who loves to confess? Right? So most of you are saying like, confession, it brings healing in life. Um, your faces aren't showing it. So when we do this, we'll do it at different points throughout the message, I really want you to say it with a smile. Communicate your face that yes, confession is a good thing. Because most of the time it's something that we want to avoid, right? Sonny even mentioned it um, as we talked in the children's message about hiding. So last week, Pastor Doug talked about sin and entered the topic of what was Peter's sin. And so we spent time last week looking at how he, even though he was a follower of Jesus and had been with him for three years and earlier that night had said, I will be by your side through everything. Three times in a short period of time, he denied even knowing Jesus, right? And so as we work through the text the next couple weeks, we'll be looking at that more. But one of the things that we also faced this week, in our reading specifically, as we looked at Peter's sin, we also faced our sin, which is not fun, right? Um, anyone who did the reading, did you see these tests? Did you answer them? Was it fun? No. Um, in student ministry, we talked about this last Sunday night. We had the students in the room answer these tests while we were together. And because this is so uncomfortable and potentially awkward, we had a um, shredder there in the room with us. And so as soon as you finished filling it out, and you kind of prayed about it, thought through it, I was like, take it to the shredder and shred it. Sins have been taken away. But it's super uncomfortable facing our sin, right? I think there's four typical responses when we are faced with our sin. How do we respond? First, there are times that we feel nothing because we don't think it's a sin. Now, often, I don't think we experience that because we are hypersensitive to the sins in our life. But it's really easy to see in other people's lives, right? They go, you, you're denying that's a sin? Like, look at our culture today. What? So there are times when, faced with sin, because of our own beliefs, perspective of scripture, etc., we don't feel anything. We're just like, well, that's not a sin. Or we minimize it. We say, ah, that's yeah, a sin, and I kind of feel bad about it, but it's not that bad. Like, there's way worse sins. Have you heard of Hitler? Right? So it makes it way easier. Like, we minimize, ah, I mean, this doesn't really hurt anybody. Um, has anyone ever overeaten at Thanksgiving? That would be called the sin of gluttony. Um, and I plan to do it every year. <laughs> Minimizing, right? 
Um, guilt. This is when you recognize the actions that I took were wrong, right? Um, you experience something, you do something, you see how you respond, and you just, ugh, just sits on you. You feel bad. You know that you did not handle that well. And then there's shame. I am a horrible person, where it's more your identity, where, where you take it on in terms of, I don't want anyone to ever, ever, ever know that this has happened in my life, that I felt this way, that I responded this way, etc. Now, when we look at those responses, often the last two we want to hide, right? The first two, it's not hard to hide from. You, you either just, you don't think it's a big deal, it's not a sin at all, or you minimize it, like I just readily admitted that I overeat at Thanksgiving. It's not something that I felt I needed to hide. I didn't feel like I would be judged because of you, right? But there are times when we come face to face with some of our sin and we want to hide it. And this has happened a lot in scripture too. Think about Adam and Eve. What did they do after they, eat, they ate from the tree? They hid, right? Think about David. What did David do after he committed adultery with Bathsheba? To hide his sin, he killed a guy. And he tried to make it look like it wasn't his fault either, right? So we as humans are really good at hiding or trying to hide our sin. So today in our text, we're going to explore a different story from Peter, where he did try to or want to hide his sin, but we're going to look at how he responded. This is early on. Um, this is probably the first time he met Jesus, right? Maybe he'd heard of him before, we're not sure. But this is his first kind of encounter with Jesus as recorded in Luke. So starting in Luke 5, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, with the people crowding around him and listening to the words of God, he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen who were washing their nets. He, Jesus, got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Now listen to Peter's response. Simon Peter answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. Huge sin right there, right? Doesn't seem like it. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat, come and help. And they came and helped them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Let's process Peter's response. In that moment, he recognized what had been going on inside, I think. He recognized that he had not trusted God. He recognized that he had not believed what Jesus had said. He'd done it very reluctantly. Well, Jesus, um, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman, been doing this my whole life. And so you're saying, hey, we should go out. 
okay. I'll humor you. Come on, guys, let's go. And he recognized his sin when he saw how Jesus had come through. And he said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He didn't feel like he could be in Christ's presence because of the thoughts that he had had, what he had been wrestling with, the doubt that he had had. He said, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. He didn't want Jesus to see his sin. So how is Peter feeling in this moment? Well, he's not feeling it. He's not feeling nothing, right? He, he, he is overcome with emotion. He falls on his knees. He's not minimizing it either. So I would say he's experiencing guilt or shame. And I think from the text, you can't necessarily discern what he's feeling. But he is feeling deep guilt and or shame. But what we need to remember today is that confession... You guys sounded so excited. <laughs> confession. Yes, that's right. And so look, let's look at what Peter does, right? He confesses, I am a sinner. Get away from me, Jesus. I am a sinner. Leave me alone. He confesses what he is feeling. For he and his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So Peter confesses that he's a sinner to God. And Jesus responds with, yeah, you are. No, he doesn't. He's full of grace, and he even gives him a new identity. Peter confesses, and Jesus says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You're not just a sinner. You are a disciple who is going to lead others to follow me. He doesn't let him sit and dwell in his shame or guilt. He gives him a new identity. Now, as I was prepping for this and thinking through this text for today, I was thinking a lot about guilt and shame and the difference, and I wondered, does Scripture see a difference? And so I found a text in, I think it's 2 Corinthians, 7, 8 to 9. We'll read verse 10 in a second. Um, and while this doesn't necessarily speak specifically to guilt and shame, when I read it, that's what I hear. And I'll explain that in a second. So 2 Corinthians 7. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. He's obviously written 1 Corinthians, right? And even in 1 Corinthians, he makes a, a remark about having them sent them a letter. So we know he wrote at least three letters to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians, and he says this, Even if I caused you sorrow by my letter, I do not regret it. Though I did regret it, I see that my letter hurt you, but only for a little while. Yet now I am happy, not because you were made sorry, but because your sorrow led you to repentance. For you became sorrowful as God intended, and so were not harmed in any way by us. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Now when I read verse 10 and I think about guilt and shame, I see it in there. I see it in terms of guilt brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but shame brings death. And I want to unpack that for a second. 
Shame is something that is very inward. You're very focused on yourself. You're focused on your sin, but you're focused on the condition, the horribleness of yourself. Whereas guilt is focused on the actions that you made. I made these poor choices. I handled it poorly. And you see sometimes, you see more readily God and how you have failed him. But shame is this huge internal focus. I am horrible. I cannot be in God's presence. There's no way he could love me. I am so bad. So when I read 2 Corinthians 7.10, guilt brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But shame brings death. And I want to unpack that a little bit more. How does shame or worldly sorrow, sorrow that Satan wants us to experience, lead to death? First off, shame hinders confession. Have you ever experienced that? Where you felt really ashamed or full of shame about something and you were just like, I don't want anyone to know. When I was early teens, I don't know if it was 12 to 14, somewhere in there, I had trouble sleeping one night. I was tossing and turning. I felt really guilty about some choices I'd been making, some poor choices that I didn't feel good about. So I got up, I got a drink of water, and while I was up, I saw that there was a light on downstairs. And so I went downstairs to see who was up. I assumed it was one of my parents, it was my mom. She was in our office. She was kind of working on some different stuff. And I just felt, I don't know why, um, but I felt brave enough to confess to my mom that I was struggling with X, and it was a difficult thing, and I was just really wrestling. Now, parents are smart, right? And so she realized that, oh, if Jeremy is struggling with X, that might mean he's struggling with Y and Z, too, right? And so I confessed to her, I am really wrestling with this, I'm struggling, I'm having a hard time. Um, and she, her response, because she loved me, was, you're not struggling with this, are you? <laughs> and I was like, no. I don't, I, I don't even know what that is. I was struggling with X and Y. And I knew in that moment, I cannot tell my mom. Now, I don't fault my mom for that response, right? She loves me. She wants what's best for me. But the shame that I felt in that moment, knowing her response was so visceral in terms of like, please say no. And I was like, no. But it wasn't true, right? So I knew in that moment, I cannot confess, right? And I imagine all of us have felt that way in some time or another, where we knew, ugh, can't tell that to that person. It's not going to go well. Right? So, I wish that I would have understood that confession. Yes, man, you guys are getting good. So, I knew in that moment I did not want to confess. But if I would have held on to the truth, that confession, it brings healing in life. Even when in the moment it feels like the last thing you want to do, I think it would have saved me from dealing with a bunch of junk for the next five to ten years, right? So confession, it brings healing and life. The second thing that I want us to remember, first off, shame hinders confession, and then second, avoiding confession sows seeds of hypocrisy. So think about this for a second. 
you walk into church on Sunday, someone asks how you are, and you're like, dandy. Does anyone do that? Does anyone see, say dandy? Um, you tends to not want to just blurt out what you're wrestling with to anyone. And I don't think you should. I think it's important to share and confess with people that love you, that love Jesus, right? But when we avoid confession, it sows seeds of hypocrisy because we look a certain way, but there's other things that are actually going on in our lives. And we know what Jesus thinks about hypocrisy. This is from Matthew 23. And he's saying this to the religious leaders who in their culture are like superheroes. Like everyone looks up to them. Like when you're a kid, you want to be one of them. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. When we avoid confession, we have two different lives. But when we confess, it brings those worlds together. And that's how Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to be known, because that's when he can share mercy and grace with us. But when we leave stuff hidden, we don't get to experience that freedom and joy and healing. So why is confession powerful? We're going to read these two texts in quick succession. We're not going to talk too much about them because it's really obvious the blessings of confession. 1 John 1, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. James 5, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The power of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I think confession is the first step into experiencing healing from whatever our struggles are, from the sin and the weight that we carry. Confess to brothers and sisters who are walking with you in life, who love you and want what's best for you. As I was preparing for today, I remembered this quote that I had read a couple months ago in this book by Brene Brown, Dare to Lead. She says, if you put shame in a Petri dish and cover it with judgment, silence, and secrecy, you've created the perfect environment for shame to grow until it makes its way into every corner and crevice of your life. If on the other hand, you put shame in a Petri dish and douse it with empathy, shame loses its power and begins to wither. Empathy creates a hostile environment for shame, an environment it can't survive in because shame needs you to believe you're alone and it's just you. Have you ever felt that way? You go, no one can know about this because I'm the only one that wrestles with it. I'm the only one that's made these choices. I'm the only one that's handled it this way. And the truth is that all of us are sinners 
And all of us have felt that way. We may not have made all the same choices, but we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So confession is so important because of this. Confession. And it breeds empathy. Have you ever confessed something that you were really shamed about to someone? A spouse, a brother, a sister in Christ, and they did not judge you? But they wrapped their arms around you and loved you anyway? Have you experienced that? I hope you have. I have. It's incredible. That thing that I was wrestling with when I was younger, when Susan and I were dating, we talked about it, and the love Susan poured on me was incredible. So I hope you've experienced the empathy that can come through confession. Satan wants us to hold it close, and God says, confess so that you might be healed. I wanted to wrap up by reminding us that just as confession brings empathy, we are able to share empathy with one another because of Jesus, the original empathetic one. Think about how much empathy he shared with the lowly. He didn't necessarily have tons of empathy for the religious leaders who had this separate life and couldn't see their own sin and wouldn't confess it. But those who were broken, Nicodemus, who was curious, He shared so much empathy, and he has empathy for all of us because he was willing to die for us. Romans 5.8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We hadn't confessed our sin. We had done nothing to make it better. And he saw our sin. He knew our sin. And he still loved us so much, he sent his son to die for us. That is the gospel. That is the beauty of being in this relationship with Jesus. One who he knows your sin, and you can convince, you can confess it. And he forgives you for it. Not because of anything you've done, but because of his love for you. Amen.